Last time I was with you guys, we were in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. What we had talked about last time was Christ being our peace and being the cornerstone, holding everything together, right? And in a home, you have the um, load-bearing wall, as, as I had talked about last time. And with that load-bearing wall, without that there, that house will not stand at all. And there are some things that people do. Um, you know, they can't remove that load-bearing wall, but they try to make modifications if they're doing remodeling. But that's all they can do is a modification, right? They can't really in- improve that. I mean, unless you're really going to knock down some stuff, take the house down and, and start all over. But it's only a modification. And we see that here in this world that people, they try to do modifications, right? And it's not really what God had intended. He is our peace, as I told you guys. You know, we trust and rely upon Him for all things. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through, I think it's on the screen, it says 13. Hopefully I get that far, but we'll, we'll see, okay? Some people say that I tend to kind of drag my feet a little. Well, I don't know, maybe, all right? Let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started with our text. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you, Lord, and we do want to thank you for blessing us with the time this morning just to dive into your word, Lord. And even though we are not here physically in this building here at 12820 Indian School Road, Lord, we are here um, together uh, on our live stream. And as we are all tuned in, Lord, I, I just want to pray and just ask that you would be with us, Lord, as we continue to go through your word as a family, that you would speak to us this morning, that you would bless us, encourage us. Lord, I know it is difficult in this time. For some people, it's very difficult to stay home and really not do much, Lord, or not have any interaction with any other individuals. So I pray that this time, this morning, would be a blessing, that you would give me the words that you would want me to share. And Father, we ask all of this in your precious name. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. Looking at Paul's life, he had suffered greatly for his outspoken faith in Jesus, referring to himself as a prisoner, which we know that that had happened on a few occasions with him where he was imprisoned for speaking the truth. He says, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. This was, like I said, one amongst many things that Paul had gone through. We had known that he had had, uh, I mean, death threats coming upon him, attempted murder attempts, right? He had been slashed, you know, taken lots of beatings, all kinds of things happening to him. How could he endure through this stuff? How can he make it? You know, there are certain times, I think, as Christians that, you know, we, we go through the struggle at times, and sometimes we may even say, Lord, why are you putting me through this? Why am I having to go through this, this stuff? Maybe it's a supervisor at work. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a family member. You, you guys go through things. I've been in those situations. 
where I've been through some things and it's been very difficult at times, times in which I didn't even think that I can make, to be honest with you. Very hard. Uh, I remember coming to teach here at Calvary Christian Academy. And when I left, I, I don't know what I was thinking. I left my job and I'm thinking, ministry full-time, this is going to be awesome. Jesus, 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 I love this. And I still do. But I didn't realize, even knowing the Scripture and what it says, I didn't realize how much attack would come. And sometimes how it's going to make you feel. Maybe doubting or questioning. Did I do the right thing? Paul is in prison for the sake of you Gentiles. Am I going through this because someone else, you know, needed a word of encouragement and that's why I have to go through this? This is crazy. You may have lost your job. Maybe you've been disowned by family for being a believer. There's some rough times. I can relate with you. Like I said, coming to work here at Calvary Christian Academy, I can't tell you the countless times, and this is a little embarrassing for me, but it's okay. I'm one of those individuals where I try to be transparent. There have been times where, you know, when I first had started here, hard to believe, almost five years ago, that it was very difficult. There are times when before school would start, I'd be upstairs in the classroom reading, praying, and then crying because it was so difficult not knowing if I can continue. How could Paul persevere in the face of such suffering? All these things that he's been through, being in prison for speaking the truth. Well, Paul knew that his life was in God's hands and nothing had come into his life that had not first passed through the Lord. I mean, that's how he can stand. We know in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. See, it, it's crazy, family, to think that God knew that Paul can go through all of this and that his hand of protection would still be on him. When you look at all this stuff, you're like, man, he barely made it out. He barely survived that beating. And, and God knew that he can go through that? I mean, I, I look at his life and I'm like, wow, that, that's amazing. Because I, I got to be honest with you guys, if, if that was happening to me, I don't know if I would have been able to respond the same way that Paul did, right? Someone's coming after me, I'd be trying to fight back or running or doing whatever I can. I probably would have lost my life. But look what had happened with him. He's still going strong, yes, even though he is in prison. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And just remember that the Lord is faithful. He is always there for you, for me, no matter what we're going through. I know at times it may feel like, Lord, where are you? Uh, I mean, it doesn't feel like you're there. Why is all this stuff coming upon me? Oh, he's there. 
He wants to hear from us, but he is there every step of the way. Please remember that. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. That's exactly what Paul was doing. He knew that God had a plan on his life. He knew that God was using him. And what did he do? He just continued to keep his eyes on the Lord, walking by faith. For us, it's so hard sometimes, right? Because it's right here, it's now, it's in front of us. We can see it, we can touch it. It feels personal sometimes, and maybe sometimes it really is personal. But you got to remember, we walk by faith, not by sight. I know it's easier said than done. But with God's help and with his strength, he can get us through it. It's not easy. Oh, by no means, family, am I saying it is easy. I've had people do some shady things to me, say some outlandish lies and, and gossip about me, backbiting me, and yet to still look at them and God says to love on them. You know how hard that is? It is very hard. Maybe you've gone through that. Yes, it is hard. But we walk by faith and not by sight at what his word has told us. Question for you, question for me, is do we have that confidence that Paul had? Right? Do we have that confidence knowing that we are in Christ's hands? that he has us. Do we know that? We should. Verse 2 said, If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you. Paul assumed that the Ephesians and the believers in the surrounding cities knew about his encounter with God and the grace that was given to him on their behalf. What's he talking about here? I mean, we know the book of Acts, right? The book of Acts where Saul had asked for letters to go to Damascus to arrest the believers there, right? Following the way. Not just arrest them, but even kill some of them. I mean, that's how much of a passion he had to destroy the believers. And what happened to him? On his way, God appeared before him, right? God appears before him and causes him to go blind. I mean, that's something I think that we need to be reminded of. I mean, we see here this, this evil man going against God's children. You think God's going to stand back and let that happen? Sometimes, yes, you may have to go through some things. But do know, family, that God has you. He loves you, and he's watching over you. He's not going to just sit back and let, I mean, just like any father, you know. I love my oldest daughter, Chloe. And yes, there are some times where, there are times when it's not the best of times for us. Little things going on. But guess what? I'm going to protect her. I'm going to protect her at all costs. And that's the way God looks at you and me. He's going to protect us at all costs, right? Saul's on his way to destroy the believers. And what happens? God causes him to go blind. 
Now, here's the, here's the real kicker, right? Because then God speaks to a believer, Ananias. Not, not Ananias and Sapphira. We know that Ananias and, and his wife, Sapphira, in, in Jerusalem there, in the early stages of the church, that they both had passed away on the spot, right, for, for being dishonest. This is Ananias in Damascus. He's a believer, and God speaks to him, and he says, you're going to go to this man, right? And you are going to touch him. You are going to heal him, bring back his, his sight, his vision. And Ananias is like, Lord, I've heard about this man. I know what he's come here to do. I don't know if this is the right thing, right? But what did God tell Ananias? To go. Don't worry, Ananias. I will show this individual how much he must suffer for my namesake. Ananias had to walk by faith, right? Not by sight. You trust, you put your faith in God. Okay, God says he's going to take care of it. Then I need to walk out there. I need to go. Walk by faith, not by sight. So Paul here, he's assuming that these surrounding, city, these surrounding cities had heard about this encounter, about the grace given to him on their behalf. The administration of God's grace means that special trust or commission that Paul had been given and the grace and authority he had been given in order to fulfill it. Coming from the Lord. For you indicates that God had given Paul this special stewardship, this commission for the sake of others. See, this was not just for Paul's own benefit. God didn't say, okay, look, you're healed. Uh, now go on your way and, you know, just stay away from sin. No. God knew exactly who Saul of Tarsus was, right? He was a highly intelligent individual. I mean, Pharisee of Pharisees. Gamaliel, right? Non-Christian history. Gamaliel said that Saul of Tarsus, that he did not have enough books in his library to keep this man occupied. I mean, I'm looking at a room as I look around here, and I'm like, this is a pretty big room. How big was his library? I mean, I know city libraries are pretty big. Was it that big? Was it bigger? And that's a lot of books. For Saul to read all these books and all the knowledge that he had? See, God didn't just save him and say, okay, just go on your merry way. He says, no, I want you to go. Be a spokesperson for me. And so what did he do? He took on the challenge, right? See, it wasn't for his own benefit. God had assigned Paul the special work of preaching the good news to the Gentiles, knowing what was going on back then in those days, right? We see that certain, certain races didn't talk to other races. How, how do you bring that together? Okay, we're going to take this individual here, the Pharisee of Pharisees, a lot of this head knowledge, we are going to disciple him, right? He gets discipled being around. He goes out, starts preaching the gospel message. And anyone who would challenge him, <laughs> he'd put you in your spot. He was highly intelligent. How awesome is that? See, God just didn't say, okay, you're saved, go on your merry way. No, he's like, you know what? This guy has a special calling upon his life. 
I'm going to use him for my glory. So he, he went out. He had that blessing, that anointing on him. And that's something that, that God will do for us as well. Are we willing, right? You guys know that when it comes to music and the genre of music, um, I listen to all varieties, but my favorite is Christian hip-hop and rap. And I remember listening on an interview with this one Christian DJ. You know, they interviewed him. He had gotten saved, you know, put out a few albums. He's living his life for the Lord. And they interviewed him five years after. And they said, you know, how did you get started or, or how did you do this? And he was always a DJ. And this guy had records upon records, you know. I mean, we're talking about the turntables with the needle, right? Some of these younger individuals don't know what that is, but had the needle and he'd put the vinyl on there and be mixing in music, all this stuff. Crates, I mean crates upon crates of music. And this guy gave his life to the Lord and he said, you know, I got saved and I thought, okay, Lord, what do I do with my life? Because this is what I know, music, all my life. Now I'm saved. What do you want me to do? And God said, music. And he's like, I don't get it. I, I thought, like, I gave my life to Christ. Now I'm saved. I'm a new creation in Christ. Like, what's my task? And he said that he specifically remembered God saying, go ahead and do music. I'm not telling you to throw all that stuff away that you got in thousands upon thousands of dollars that you had spent uh, just to throw it all away. No, take what you have and use it for my glory. And so what he ended up doing was collaborating with a lot of artists, making beats, being featured on stuff, and uh, putting out stuff. I mean, it was, it was awesome seeing God use him in that way, that God didn't say, okay, just throw away that talent and uh, go do something else. For some, he may do that, but for others, he may say, you know what, take what you have and go use it for my glory. And it's encouraging to see here that with Paul, you know, he was, he was assigned this special task because God knew exactly, you know, what he can do, how he was. Verse 3, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. The Gentiles can be included in God's grace is called a mystery, right? If you remember, um, family, one of the things <laughs> that some individuals were saying, some of the Pharisees was, okay, that's cool you've given your life to Christ, but in order to really be a follower or believer, you have to be circumcised, right? It's like, wait, where does it say that <laughs> in Scripture? I mean, once you've given your life to Christ, you're saved, you're born again. But this is what some of these Pharisees were trying to preach. And so what happens here? The special task was given to Paul that Gentiles could be included in God's grace. This mystery was a plan at one time hidden, but it's now revealed. The mystery was hidden not because only a few could understand it, but because it was hidden until Christ came, right? Sometimes when something's revealed a little too early, people don't get that excited about it 
or they don't even know the meaning of it or what what's benefit is that, right? See, a special time, a special purpose, a special plan that God has to reveal this so it would all make sense. It was hidden until then, until Christ came. God had made this mystery known to Paul by revelation. What's a revelation? Well, a revelation is direct communication from God. And Paul had refused to believe in Christ and had persecuted anyone who did believe in Christ. See how the Lord works, you guys? <laughs> he wanted nothing to do with God, he was going to kill anyone, arrest anyone that believed in God. So then God saves him and says, okay, you've hated me, now I need you to talk about me. To go spread the good news about me, a loving God. And he is a loving God. He did spare his life. God had got a hold of Paul and made known to him through personal revelation that Jesus Christ truly was the promised Messiah, right, of the Jews and the light to the Gentiles as well. That's what he revealed to him. Both Jews and Gentiles would be included in the church. They would be together in the church. There's no special treatment for, oh, hey, they're Jews, they're treated better. No, we're all one in Christ Jesus. That's what he was speaking to Paul. That's what he had showed him that we are one in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but I am so thankful for that. I think it's awesome. I miss you guys. I mean, looking around, I, I wish, you know, people were sitting in here and stuff, their faces. I may not remember all of your guys' names, but I do remember where you sit. And I do remember seeing on this side certain individuals, their faces here and there. But thinking about our family, our, our family here at Calvary Chapel East. And when we think about, okay, the different races, I mean, the different, you know, you got men, women, you got old, you got young, right? Just the dynamics here. Some people very shy, very quiet. Others very energetic, right? We're all here. There, there is no discrimination with the Lord. We are all one, in him. When the church received a letter from Paul or one of the other apostles, such as letters from Peter, James, and Jude, a church leader would read the letter out loud to the assembled congregation. Paul wrote to this leader and to the congregation explaining that in reading or hearing the letter, they would be able to understand his insight into the mystery that God had given him, that they would understand, that they would be encouraged. Just like we hope that you're encouraged this morning at home, that you guys are really encouraged still being able to be a part of our services. Sunday morning, Thursday nights with Pastor Carl. So we, you guys have seen Pastor Gary, of course, on live stream. You've seen Pastor Carl on the live stream. I'm here with you this morning. I feel blessed and privileged to be able to be with you guys here this morning. And Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave's been pretty busy, but if you do want to see him live stream, believe it or not, Calvary Christian Academy, our school, 
Pastor Dave, amongst many things that he's still doing around this building here working, um, one of the things that he's trying to do Friday mornings, 10 a.m., Calvary Christian Academy Facebook page. He does a live chapel streaming service. So if you want to see Pastor Dave and his element, like singing, getting crazy with those kids and, and preaching to them, tune in to our Facebook page and you can see Pastor Dave uh, live stream as well. So we miss you guys. Like I said, we, we just love the fact that we can still kind of be here for you guys and I hope it's a blessing to you. Just as Paul was hoping that this letter would be a blessing to the believers, right? Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. See, God's method of communicating with the Israelites was to reveal his words to a chosen prophet who would in turn teach the people. The former generations in the time of the Old Testament prophets did not clearly understand the mystery which has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Once again, it's all about God's timing. It's always got to be that timing that he has for us, right? Sometimes we're hoping and praying that, you know what, God will give us that, that promotion at work. Well, maybe this isn't the time right now. You know, we, we have to wait, and that's hard to understand. For some individuals who are single, you're like, Lord, am I going to get a spouse, you know, in his timing? It's hard, believe me. I know it is hard. It is really hard. I've been in those situations, and people say, you know what, Ed, it's just hard. You don't understand. I've had some friends tell me that. I'm single. I just want to get married. You don't know how hard it is. What do you mean I don't know how hard it is? I know how hard it is. I remember waiting three and a half years for God to bring me somebody who is finally my wife now. But three and a half years, you're complaining because it's only been four months. Oh, it's so hard. Please, just be quiet. I don't want to hear it. Okay? Try three and a half years. Believe me, I know it's hard when you're there and you don't have no one and you're looking around and you see people younger than you and they have someone they're dating. You're like, what the heck? How did that person get someone, right? I don't get it. Lord, why don't I have someone? He's like, it's not time yet. You got to wait. See, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows that heart and who we truly are. Are we ready for it? Can we handle it? Now, maybe some of you are saying, well, you know what? I went longer than three and a half years. Ed, try 10. Try 20. Yeah, I don't know what that's like. But I do know that God has a special plan and purpose for your life. Maybe he has someone for you. Maybe he doesn't because he needs you to do something for him. Not saying that once you do something for him, he's going to bring you somebody, but you never know. There's some people that are called to be single because God knows that, you know what, that's the way he needs to be able to use them. I know it is extremely hard for an individual who's married with multiple kids to go out on the mission field. I'm not saying it can't be done because families have done it. But someone who's single, uh, I would say that their mind is not torn between, oh, what's my wife and kids doing? No, they're focused on the work of the Lord. 
So what's the plan? What's the purpose God has for us? Well, we just got to wait and see what that is, right? We're in our words. God's plan was hidden from previous generations, not because God wanted to keep something from his people, but because he would reveal it to everyone in this perfect timing. When is that time, right? God planned to have Jews and Gentiles brought together as one body in the church. Back then, it wasn't time to reveal that, but now as Paul's writing that, it's time to be revealed, right? How else is this gospel message going to get out to the ends of the earth unless all hands on deck, right? It doesn't, I mean, I'm so thankful that our church is as small as we are. We are a praying church. And it's so cool because there are sometimes prayer requests come in and they come in from different states. They come in from people who actually attend different churches in the city and somehow they come to this church and we pray for them. I left my job almost five years ago and I came to work here at the school. And I want to say it was fall of last year in which a prayer request came in. And it was for a lady that I used to work with at my last company. And she's never stepped foot in this church, her or her husband. How did that prayer request come in for her? Well, someone knew her and that person knew someone else and then it came in, right? And I remember asking my dad, hey, is there something going on with so-and-so? Because I seen a prayer request come in. He's like, not that I'm aware of. And then he had ran... Um, into her a few weeks ago, and sure enough, he's like, he called me up, hey, son, it was who you said. You know, I, I didn't know that she was even going through anything. And she had to have an operation and, and all this stuff, but yeah, it came through. Guys, God's using our church, right? In this city. Yeah, there's m- many churches in this city, and God uses all of us. The truth of this mystery means that Gentiles are now full partakers of his promise. Gentiles. This was a privilege no longer reserved for only uh, the believing Jewish person. But now this was extended to all. They needed to know that. They needed to hear that. I don't know about you, but I am so glad, I am so excited that that was extended out. That based upon my my heritage, my race, my nationality, that the gospel message wasn't kept from me, right? How awesome is that? This unity occurs through the gospel message when, when what happens? When they believe. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish. It doesn't matter if you're Gentile, right? If you're Jew-Gentile. Now the message comes forward. And if you believe and receive that gospel message, you are born again, you're saved. This unity transcends race, culture, gender, age, and any other factor that divide people. I mean, it is so encouraging to know that, you know what, you don't even have to speak the same language as someone and you can still minister to them. I remember being invited with Pastor Gary and Pastor Dave to a luncheon by the Gideons. And it is amazing all the translations of Bibles that are out there or that they get printed. 
and some of these individuals go into these different countries, not even able to speak that language. They need a translator, and sometimes you know how it is translating things. Uh, with an individual hearing, it, it's there, but it's not 100% identical. But you know what? They give out those testaments to them. Never see them go away. And you know what? Their stories were come back later, and guess what? Villages, little towns are saved, right? They're serving the Lord all because a Bible was given to them. I mean, I think we're living in one of the greatest times ever, to be honest with you, family. I mean, we're a generation where, yes, I mean, now you have a Bible which you could have on a phone, right? I mean, we're the generation without excuse, and it can get out to anyone. It's there. Like I said, this unity transcends race, culture, gender, age. That's what the gospel does. I do know that in the church, um, I don't know what it is. I remember being a young man and, I mean, 13, 14 years old, and I was around older individuals. I was with my dad going to the church and seeing older individuals being around them and just hearing them talk. And not once did I ever think to myself, I can't relate. These guys are too old. They're married. They have kids. I don't get it. Now, I do understand that that stuff is important. And, you know, we want ministries in which, yeah, we can provide a youth group. We can have a young adult or this and that. But if that church doesn't have that, I mean... I just see it. To me, I just feel it's a work of the enemy anymore. How with some of the younger individuals, which is sad, they feel like, oh, well, I don't go there because I can't relate. Those people are too old. Or I can't go there because there's not uh, another young lady at women's Bible study that's my age that I could relate to. I think we all can relate to the gospel, right? We could relate to the words of Christ. So I don't, I don't understand where the disconnect is. Yes, don't get me wrong. It's super important to have someone your age as well for encouragement and be there. But a lot of my stuff, um, a lot of the encouragement I got growing up, it wasn't from other individuals my age. It was from older people, to be honest with you. Just being around older individuals. And this church in particular. I wasn't pretty much trained up per se or, or given a... I don't know, a tutorial on how to become a pastor? <laughs> that wasn't even in my mind. It was more or less just looking and being around other individuals. Pastor Gary, of course, being fed by him weekly with, with Scripture, then taking school of ministry with Carl Peterson. And just, I mean, to me, Carl is very, very, I mean, highly educated, super smart, in my opinion can break down scripture really good. I was like, whoa, this guy's amazing. As times went on with Pastor Randy, yeah, I had a discipleship with him, but at the same time, he discipled me, but it wasn't like, okay, Ed, this is what you do in this situation. Or in this situation, this is how you have to do things. I wasn't told anything like that. I didn't know. I wasn't sure how to go through it. But all I did was just sit with them, watch them, how are things that just watch them? Thursday nights with Carl Pete going into YDDC where these young boys are locked up in jail, prison. Carl back then, I, I mean, 
I'm older now. I got some weight on me, okay? If you were to see pictures of me back then, uh, guys, oh man, 20, 21 years old at this church. I was like a buck 35, skin and bones, right? Got a little bit more weight. Some people stay still look the same. I don't know. Carl Pete, I can tell you, looks the same. He had gray hair back then, and that's not disrespectful to him, okay? He, like, really, to me, hasn't aged. He's the same Carl. And Carl would just say, you ready to go in? Yeah, let's, okay, let's pray. Then we go in, and he didn't say, okay, this is how you do a Bible study, or this is how you reach these young men. He just did it. I watched. I seen. Wow. Carl, if you look at me and you look at Carl, we are two completely different people. Carl got the long hair, ponytail, I'm, the hair's gone, okay? Carl's just, he's Carl. I like my clothes, well, these are dress clothes, but my regular clothes, I like them a little bit more loose. So you got gray hair, ponytail, um, fitted clothes, and then you got bald head, kind of loose clothes, but, and we're going in and for the same purpose, to tell these young men about Jesus. And I... In a way, I really couldn't relate. You know, Carl, like I said, was different than me. I know he definitely listens to different music than me, right? That's for sure. Wasn't the same as me. I mean, he's married. At the time, I wasn't married. He has a kid. I'm, I don't have a child at the time. I can't relate to him. But what happens? I'm around him, and you know what? doesn't matter. It's the Word of God. It's the same heart. It's the same desire to want to share the gospel message with others. That's what brought us together. It's not like, oh, Carl, I I can't relate to you. No. See, the gospel message breaks down those barriers Only in Jesus Christ could such unity be possible. Only in Him. I want to quote Matthew Henry. I I read this by him and I thought, man, that's, that's pretty awesome. But Matthew Henry says, When we take God for our God, we take His people for our people. Did you get that? When we take God for our God, We take his people for our people. That's so awesome. What a blessing that is. That, like I said, it doesn't matter what the differences are. We're one in Christ Jesus. That's all that matters. Yeah, we're different. Yeah, we're unique. That's all right. God has a special plan and purpose for us. Verse 7 of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. Paul explained that his servanthood was by the gift of God's grace given, given to him through the working of his power. We we know that Paul, or at the time Saul, right? He'd been working for the other side ready to destroy, ready to kill. When God called him, Paul had rejected Jesus as the Messiah and had actively persecuted Christians. Obviously, God had not called Paul 
or Saul on the basis of his goodness or his faithfulness. Because like I said, he was working for the other side. So it wasn't based upon that. God made Paul a key messenger of the gospel in the early days of the church. Yet Paul realized that he could not have fulfilled this mission without God's grace and power within him. Has nothing to do with us, but everything to do with him and who he is, right? Just because my parents have been saved for many years, well over 30 years, I mean, that's not why God looked at me and called me. (laughs) I had to make that decision on my own. And that's the same with any one of us. It doesn't matter what the history is in the family, right? You got to come to that one-on-one realization. Are you going to follow the Lord or not? That's what it comes down to. God in His grace gave Paul the gift of salvation. Grace and salvation led to a life filled with God's power and working for God's kingdom. See, only God's grace and power could accomplish such a huge change in Saul's life, right? And then he called him Paul. Only God can do that. No one else. You may have family members that are not saved and you're praying for them. Continue to pray for them. That's the best thing you can do is just pray for them. You pray for them and you hope that God will grab a hold of them, right? You can talk to somebody, you can argue with them, you can tell them how much they need God, and you know what? They can still reject you. It doesn't matter what you say. The only one that can save them is God. Now, He may use us as vessels to, to just kind of, you know, plant a seed or water that seed, but He's the one that's going to change them. He's the one that gets all the glory, honor, and praise, not you or I. So continue to pray for them. I mean, I don't know how many times you guys have heard little stories uh, about people praying for family members or praying for their spouses and wives or husbands praying, you know, I've been praying for 25 years that this uh, wife of mine or husband of mine would get saved. And after, you know, 25 years, I prayed, nothing's happened. But then the 26th year, there it is. Why did it take so long? God's timing. I, I wish I had a better answer. I wish I had it with some, some great, awesome explanation as to why it took that long. But I don't. All I can say is that it's God's timing. He's in control of all things. Him and only Him. But no matter how big or deep the struggle is, we turn to the Lord, right? Corey Tin Boom. She said, There is no pit so deep that Jesus is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that Jesus is not deeper still. Talk about someone being in the pit. Talk about someone being in the thick of things. You're talking about being in concentration camp when you have all these Nazis coming in just slaying Jews, just killing them? There she is, and God spared her life. And even through all that that she was in, and she went through some stuff. What did she say? <laughs> there is no pit 
so deep that Jesus is not deeper still. Just that faith, walking by faith, not by sight. Verse 8, to me, who am less than, than the least of all the saints? This grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see that is the fellowship of the mystery from which the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. When Paul described himself as less than the least of all the saints, he meant that God's grace alone had saved him. The one who had hated and persecuted all who followed Jesus understood this. Nothing in Paul's, uh, nothing in Paul merited such grace. Paul knew that this was really um, God at work here, right? He couldn't take credit for it, like, oh, you know what, I had this and I'm, I'm finally understanding that I need to be serving God. No, God had to come before him. And then when God spared his life, he understood that all the glory be given to God for, for saving him. He didn't have to, but he did. Paul tried to figure out the greatness of God's grace and started tracking it out as one might track out the shore of a lake. But he soon discovered that it wasn't a lake at all, but an ocean, an immeasurable ocean, right? I got to be honest with you, family. I mean, I don't mind walking along a beach and seeing the water and all this stuff. I mean, it's amazing. But yes, ocean scares me, terrifies me, okay? Um, some people are like, why? Like, wouldn't you ever go on a cruise? Uh-uh, okay? Not going to do it. You look out there and that water goes forever and you don't know what's out there. That's just me, okay? <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't do it. They say, oh, well, you know, there's nothing wrong. Those things are, are big enough. They're okay. I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, understand with technology, we've gotten better at detecting things. Um, still, though, uh, I just don't trust it. It scares me. Ocean is just crazy. So big. For Paul, making plain God's mystery was at the core of his selection as an apostle. Paul understood that he was born at a specific time to fulfill a specific purpose, revealing this mystery that for the ages had been kept hidden in God. Like I said, very specific. He understood that. He knew that. Back then, as a young teenager, if you asked me what I wanted to do growing up, I don't know. I mean, definitely you would never have heard out of my mouth the pastor, okay? But God knew what he was doing all along, how God was protecting me, watching over me, even since a young child, since a very young child. I mean, I go back and I'm thinking, Lord, did you know this whole time? Yeah, he did. He did. And I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, just till after some years of giving my life to the Lord, looking back and thanking him for what he'd done. Just like Paul uh, was saying here, he knew that, you know, he was born at this specific time to fulfill a specific purpose. Back then, he didn't know it. He didn't know all that and all the knowledge and the background he was gaining, right? 
what it was going to be used for. Like I said, even me as a child, I, I look back, I remember five years old, five years old being very sick one night, fever, had just, it was very high. Five years old, and I remember my, my mom giving me some medicine before I went to bed to take the fever down, but it was pretty high. For some reason, you know, I wasn't able to go to the hospital, doctor, anything like that, but it was, it was pretty bad. I could have died that night as a five-year-old. And I remember early, early morning, you know, 3.30, 4 in the morning, something, okay? I know my dad went to work super early in the morning. I think it was closer to 4 in the morning. And I had woken up, and when I had woken up in my room, I remember just an angel being in there. Now, I did not see a face. I can't tell you, ooh, it was pretty, it was very angelic. All I seen was a bright light. That was it. And as a child, I just looked and was just like in shock, amazed. I felt better. And I remember walking over to the bedroom and my mom's laying in bed and, you know, waking her up, Mommy, Mommy, I feel better. The angel's watching over me. And as my mom starts to open up her eyes, this light starts kind of going out of the house, goes out into the backyard, and just this, as my mom opens up her eyes, it, I mean, she's starting to open them, and it looks as bright as the sun coming in. And then when her eyes fully got open, it went pitch black. Pitch black. And I'm thinking, wow. I just remember being a kid, being so excited. I didn't know what this angel looked like, but I knew it was an angel. I know my mother was like, what was that? I said, it's an angel. And she's just looking at me like, okay, an angel. Yeah, it was an angel. Yeah, it was an angel. You know what? God used that specific time to watch over me, to heal me. Why? Was it for this specific day so I can be here with you? Maybe, possibly. Yeah, in God's will, of course. Right? Paul knew this. God who created all things was at work in both the former creation and the new creation. The same God is at work, and his plan was in place before the creation of the world. His plan for you, his plan for me. To the intent that now, verse 10, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. See, God's mystery was to build a church uniting Jews, Gentiles, as believers in Christ Jesus. The mystery is solved. That's what it was. Finally, time to reveal it, right? Through this joining of believers in the church, the wisdom of God and its rich a variety will be powerful, powerfully displayed. It would be displayed to all the world in what he has done, right? It could only be him. I mean, because really, when you think about it, I mean, you go to some of those Middle Eastern countries, even now to this day, there's still segregation amongst men and women, where when they are in a temple, they cannot sit with each other. Only God can break that type of barrier and say, this is my church. Look, 
How do you think some of those individuals react when they come to this country for the first time and seeing men and women, and women actually sitting in the front seat next to the husband driving? Right? That's a shock to some. The last company I worked at, same thing as well. I remember we got a new employee one time. They were walking around introducing her, and I'd, I'd happened to be walking by, and her boss goes, oh, hi, I want to introduce you to uh, this young lady that's going to now be working for us. And I says, hi, how's it going? I went to go shake her hand. And in her culture, uh, not allowed to touch man. And uh, they just said, oh, well, you know, things said, but we got to keep moving on, you know. And I was like, I put my hand up to shake, like, what the heck? That's kind of rude. And then after her boss had come back and said, uh, just to let you know, um, she's not allowed to shake hands. And I thought, what? Like, why not? Oh, their culture, their background, right? And what it was. What happens here, though? God's, <laughs> God's mystery being revealed here. Joining believers to the church, Jews and Gentiles, men and women, Right? In this verse, rulers and authorities refers to both good and evil angels, right? In Ephesians chapter 121, the words referred to angelic powers. In chapter 6, verse 12, they refer to demonic powers. God builds his church on earth from saved sinners who through God's grace and mercy receive salvation through Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross. That, and it's not... Like I said, it's, it doesn't matter if you're a male or female. It doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old. It doesn't matter if you're white, if you're black, if you're brown, pink, yellow, whatever, right? It doesn't matter. It's given to you, given to me. Verse 11 said, According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, God's plan did not arise as an emergency measure when Adam sinned, Okay? It did not occur because God somehow lost control. No, this was all part of the plan, right? He knew what would happen. He knew Adam and Eve were going to blow it. He knew that. And he sent his son. God did not lose control. He's always been in control. He has eternal purposes, right, that will always be accomplished, the central theme of this letter is God's great work of joining the Jews and Gentiles together to do what? To build a unified body. One body, right? The church. God could only accept sinful people through a sacrifice that would cover their sins. I don't know about you, family, but I can tell you that for me, I am so thankful so thankful for his patience, right? Because I don't know about you guys, but I am a human being. I am not perfect. To be honest with you, I'm completely stupid at times, just to be honest with you. I blow it, okay? But God says, you messed up. Yes, I love you. I will forgive you. Let's keep going, right? Just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm perfect, and I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm just saying that I fall short too at times. You guys fall short, I fall short. I'm not any better than you. I'm not, but it's okay. We get back up. We ask God for help, right? Verse 12, 
and whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So God accomplished his eternal plan by sending his son to die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. Only in Christ and through faith in Christ are people able to approach a holy God. Now we can go before him. We can say, Lord, forgive me. I blew it today, right? Even though he was under imprisonment for the sake of the gospel, Paul here is asking his readers to not lose heart. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. Paul didn't want them to be discouraged for his sake because Paul was still being used in the service of God's eternal plan. And I know it is super hard right now with a lot of us just being home. Some, some people not working. There's, there, there are others that, that are, but you know, none of us could have ever thought of this happening in our lifetime. At least I know I didn't. Where you'd have to be just staying in your house. I mean, at, at all times. Yeah, you kind of go out to a store to go grab something if you need it. But for the most part, you try to stay in. And it's different. You see the way how people are acting. It's really messing with people now. Their minds, right? I was in the store the other day just to pick up a few things and walking by and this guy coughed and everyone stops and like looks at the guy, you know? It's like allergies are going on right now, people, right? There's, it could be anything. Maybe he just, I don't know, maybe some saliva from his gum went down the wrong pipe or something. But you cough and people now look at you like, what are you doing, right? Or, or how's this, t- I mean, it's crazy. Like I said, for us, it's, it's very hard. I know you guys would love to be here on a Sunday morning. It'll happen soon. Okay. Don't lose heart, though. Don't be discouraged. You're like, you know what? I have no one to really talk to right now. You know what? <laughs> Call up brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't have their phone numbers? Reach out to the church. We'll give you contact information if it's okay with them. Get a hold of us. We want you guys to be encouraged. We want you guys to be praying for one another. We want you to be encouraging one another. Please continue to keep the prayer requests coming in and the praise reports. Um, you know, we've, we're praying for those diligently still throughout the week, uh, more than ever. And, you know, I just want to tell you guys, keep sending them in. Paul was being used in probably in a greater way than he even could imagine being locked up in prison, right? I mean, this Roman imprisonment produced... I mean, when you think about this, this produced the letters of Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. I mean, these are just some of the things in which it goes on when he was in prison, right? He was able to write these. They all certainly have a place in God's eternal plan. And in the same manner, each of us has a place in the service of God's eternal plan. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. And it's going to look different. You know? The way he uses me is going to be a lot different than the way he uses someone else. I mean, Blaine is here this morning. I think of someone like Blaine. 
Blaine, he loves to skateboard on his free time. This body cannot handle skateboarding, okay? I'd hurt myself pretty bad if I tried. But he can do that. And that's just one of the many things in which God will use. Because I know I've shared uh, stories with Blaine, and Blaine shared with me how he'll go out and he necessarily like preaching Jesus and up in their face, but they do notice something different about him. And one of the things that they notice is that he doesn't curse. And they think it's weird. And then they ask him about it. And guess what? Then Jesus comes out, right? I mean, there's different ways in which it happens. God uses us. And he plans on using us all for his glory. I've told you guys once before, this little thing at the, at the tip right here of your finger, that fingerprint, there's only one of those in the world and it belongs to you. You were uniquely created in Christ Jesus. He wants to use you. Just trust and believe that he is going to use you, that he already has been using you. And you can say, well, you know what? I, I blew it though. My testimony with this person is shot. Well, you know what? There are times, and I've had to do this at times, where maybe God's calling you to go to that person and apologize if you did blow it. I know how hard that is. What? Go up and say sorry? But that happened three years ago. I know. But if you claim to be a Christian and they know what God's Word says and how you should be treating others, they know how you should be acting, right? And so if you go back to that person and say, hey, you know what? I just want to apologize for what I did back then. You know what? You're going to blow their minds. You can release that, and you know what? They could either choose to forgive you or not, but you know, they can't come back and say, you know what? That person isn't who they say they are. That person is fake. They claim to be a follower of Christ, but yet they don't live like it. You know what? We try. We're not perfect, but we try. You hear me, family? You go. If you have to apologize, if God's putting that on your heart, go do that. Move forward. Oh, but I blow it every day. Yeah, I think a lot of us do, right? I I think we're all guilty in some way, shape, or form falling short of the glory of God. I think his word does say that, correct? I think probably one of the number one things that we can all probably agree with is that we can probably all be in our Bible a little bit more than probably what we are, right? Yeah, we may read, but how much more do we give in to some of these distractions right, compared to what God's Word is saying. But don't be discouraged. Like I said, we're all a work in progress. I want to leave you with two verses as we close. The first one is Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has plans to prosper us, to be with us, to use us. Are we willing? I hope we are. I know I want to be. And so, you know, that's one of the things I always ask God. Lord, use me this, this morning, this, this day to day, and whatever it is that I'm doing. Do you know that when you, when you do pray that, though, God is going to allow you, especially when you pray for patience, right? Lord, help me to be patient today. So he's going to bring up situations in which you could express patience. And most of the time, we'll blow it right away. But we get back up and we keep going. It's happened to me a few times on my way to, to, to work here at the school, where you pray for patience and then someone cuts you off, right? And you're like, oh, honking the horn or doing whatever. And you're like, oh, I just asked for patience and I blew it. 
Yeah, it might happen, okay? Get back up. It's all right. This whole thing going on, you guys, with the virus, there's so many things. How do you know what's true, what's not? I don't know. This, to me, personally, I think it's one of the biggest cover-ups ever, to be honest with you, okay? We'll probably never know the truth. Never know the truth. But I will say this. We do know what happens in the end. We do know what God's plan is for us, to prosper us, as it says, right? Not to harm us. All right? That's what God's plan is for our lives. Now, the other side, right? We do know that the devil does prowl around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And that's what his plan is to do. He's looking to see who he could destroy, who he can throw off, who he can confuse. Just know what God's word says. God has a plan to prosper you, not to harm you. Yes, we take precaution, but don't be in fear. You're in God's hands. John 10.10, our last verse says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So that's what God's plan is for you, for I. That's what it was for Paul. And even though he was in a rough place in prison, God still had a plan to further the gospel and for his message to get out. I mean, we look at these books in which Paul wrote when he was in prison, and man, a lot of encouragement. We can say, man, my life is rough. Yeah, it is. And yeah, it's going to be hard. It was never promised that, w- that it would be easy. But do know this, okay? You probably ain't the first person to be going through what you are going through. Other people have gone through that as well. You probably won't be the first one to go through it, okay? It won't be the last time it's probably ever happened, but just know that in God's timing, even these things will pass, okay? They will pass. As a country, we've hit things like this, but maybe this is probably one of the worst that's, that's taken off, taken a lot of lives, but even this will pass, okay? It is in God's hands and in God's timing. We will be back together once again. Amen? I hope you were blessed this morning. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you, Lord. We just want to thank you for being such a good God. Thank you for just watching over us, Lord, protecting us, keeping us safe. We ask that you would continue to do so, that you would watch over all of the, the family that's out there, Lord, and extended families of those that attend here that you would keep everyone safe. Please give um, our president, Lord, just wisdom and direction, Lord, on what to do um, regarding this pandemic, Lord, that you would um, give him the right words, Father God, to say. Right now, it doesn't matter what he says. It seems like they've just twist his words no matter what. But we just ask that you would give him direction, wisdom, uh, help him to lead our country, Lord, and that, you know, we would be able to make the right decisions and getting people back together, Lord, in, in working environments and just family environments. Lord, I just pray and just ask that you would be with Pastor Gary and Georgie and that you would give him wisdom as well, Father. Uh, give Pastor Gary wisdom on when we are to get back together as a body. 
Lord, I know it is hard and we all miss each other, but we do want to make sure that we are going to be safe and that, you know, our church wouldn't be a place where the virus would spread, Lord. So I pray and just ask that you would just be with him. I pray and ask that you would just be with us, Lord, this week, that you would just, um, Father God, like I said, help us to meditate on the things that you've done for us, Lord, just as Paul was doing. He was thankful for that grace upon his life. Lord, I I pray and just ask that you continue to encourage us, strengthen us as a body, Lord, here at Calvary Chapel East, and that we would have a blessed week. Lord, I just want to pray all of this in your precious name. Amen.